Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Brian Sieber. He is a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've spent a little time down in Cincinnati myself, being a Clevelander. And today we're talking all about zombie trees, Brian. It's Halloween, and zombie trees sound scary, but it doesn't have much to do with Halloween, does it? No, not a bit. Um, But I am totally ready to embrace the holiday season. I'm looking forward to uh, our discussion a little bit on zombie trees. Zombie trees really just are a reference to trees that look kind of normal, but have some underlying issues that can be hazardous or dangerous. So when I'm thinking about a zombie tree and I'm in my own landscape, what should I be looking for? What are the symptoms of a zombie tree? Well, that's, that's the, that's part of the reason why there's zombie trees for a lot of people to the naked eye. It just looks like a, a normal tree, nothing, nothing completely out of the ordinary, but Upon closer analysis, there might be a series of things that you look for um, that will uh, shed light on some of the dangers that those trees might have. And we could we could probably get into some of those. They could be something as simple as deadwood, or cracks or splits, but there's many other things that could be there. So basically, if I'm worried about a tree, especially after a storm, and I look up and I see, I realize, because from a uh, hosting this podcast, one thing I've learned is look up, look at those trees. And if I do start to look up and I see dead wood and cracks, you know, I I should call my Davy tree expert, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you should have an arborist on site, regardless after the summer storm season, um, to really give a careful look at your trees, make sure there's not any real underlying issues. And moving in, like we are currently uh, into the fall season, uh, sometimes you're able to get a little better view of those trees and really what some of those issues might be. So if I'm looking at a tree, is there a possibility that there could be root problems too in one of these so-called zombie trees? Well, sure. Um, you know, it's good to take a look, like you said earlier, at the tops of the trees uh, to see how the trees are growing and how they're doing. Sometimes when you look at the tops of the trees, it gives you a better underlying understanding of what the roots are. And the roots are all underneath the soil, so you don't really have a good visual assessment of those most of the time, but the tree will always show you a little bit of signs, maybe some symptoms of what might be occurring. And one thing I've learned from doing the podcast is it's important to to look at those trees if there's been any construction at the home or in this area that your trees are, where big trucks or something could be running over those roots, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you've had construction on a property, you're looking at stuff along the lines of compacted soil, damages to some of the buttressing roots going up to the tree. And a lot of that stuff gets mashed into the tree surface and doesn't always readily stick out uh, whenever uh, you just walk by or glance at a tree from a distance. Now, before we came on, we talked about something you said called poor tree architecture. What does that mean if I'm looking at a tree? So if you were looking at a tree, you want a tree to have a little bit of, you know, room to expand, room to grow, a little bit of breathability. And when we look at trees as like from an arbor's point of view, I'm looking for good branch scaffolding. So, 
you know, you'll have a branch that's staggered with another branch slightly above it. Um, and it gives each branch a good room to grow. And you look for good branch structure within that tree because poor branch structure in a tree will often lead to uh, splits or cracks or damages uh, to a tree as they grow, expand and gather new weight. Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you do. And I'm sure, I mean, I know it's dependent on each situation being, uh, you know, unique. But what are some of the things that you can do for these, for a zombie tree, depending on what's happening with the tree? Well, I, I think you and I both know step number one, get a good set of eyes on the tree. So have your local arborist, whoever it is, come out there and get a regular visual assessment. I'm a big preacher that when it comes to uh, having people out on the property, do it multiple times during the season. Do it once in the springtime to see how trees are recovering from the from the harsh winters. Also, another time in the fall when the leaves are falling off the trees, you get a little bit of better idea of, of big, large dead limbs, stuff like that that might be in place. So step number one for me is always go through and do a good, a good assessment on the tree. Step number two is, you know, uh, look into having your tree pruned, you know, sending an arborist up in the tree, have them assess the canopy when they're up there. They can identify and remove dead limbs when they're up there. They can identify the branch junctions. So how those branches combine with each other and see if those are really, if, if, if the, if the actual, you know, the, the mechanics of the tree are all in good place. Well, one thing I always want to remind people is that if you do call the Davy Tree Expert Company, a certified arborist comes out for free, right? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We do free assessments on the tree. You'll have an arborist on site. They'll be able to go through and give you a great opinion um, on on the tree's current growing condition, um, perhaps, you know, its exposure to the elements and the hazards that might be associated with that tree. One thing I like to ask arborists here and there is, is what is it like when you can take a look at a tree and say, say we do identify that, you know, as a so-called zombie tree, but then whatever it is that needs to be done, you can tell that homeowner, Hey, you're in luck. I can fix this. <laughs> tell me about that. A little bit about that relationship with the, uh, the homeowner. So it's always nice to meet uh, meet the clients and meet meet people that are also equally as enthusiastic about the landscape as, as somebody like you and me are. And so when when they're on site, a lot of the times they'll call you up and be like, Brian, you know, I've got this tree. It's overhanging my house. I'm really concerned about this dead wood or these branches as they're intruding or anything else like that. I love the tree, but I don't want to take it down. Is there any is there any middle ground for that? And there is a lot of the times. A lot of the times it might be simply removing part of a branch. It might be cabling the tree back uh, for better uh, to eliminate, you know, hazardous, uh, poor branch structure. There could be a multitude of options there. And there's always a great relief to clients uh, and people that are passionate about their trees that oh, I was worried when I when you first got here that all we'd be doing is cutting it down. It's not the case. Not the case. Tell me a little bit about cabling. Uh, how is that used? in in working with those trees uh because I, I hear arborists talk a lot about it yeah so cabling uh, really gets implemented a lot in our industry whenever you have an established uh structural defect in a tree that that can't be reconciled uh by simply just pruning the branches back uh you know for either structural reasons or aesthetical reasons it uh cabling might be a good option for there. And what cabling does is it puts, it puts um, 
it puts a support system in at the top of the flawed branches and allows those branches not to overexert themselves in either direction so that if there's a, a break or a split in the bark, that the tree branches can't separate out enough in order to make that split worse. Let's get into a little bit about why this job's right for you. How did you find your way to, uh, to doing this uh, type of work? So I, you know, for me, I, I grew up in the rural, uh, the rural, what is now probably the suburbs of Cincinnati. And the house that I grew up in butted up against 45 acres with a forest. And for all my life, that's all I've done. Play in the forest, play in the trees and have a good time outdoors. And this is just a natural flow through for me on my love in the environment. And, you know, in my industry and for the years I've been with the company, which I think this, this year is probably 20 or 21 in, um, you know, I've done a little bit of everything, uh, you know, and in the green industry, there's, there's tons of options uh, on ways to get involved. And um, I've enjoyed every bit of it. So uh, this time of the year, you know, we're doing a lot of planting in the East. Are we still fertilizing or have we, is that window closed? No, absolutely. I, we'll, we'll be fertilizing on our end through October and November. Seasonally, you would um, look at depending on, you know, uh, depending on what your, what your temperatures are and uh, how accessible the areas are on how good that'll be. But uh, never, never bad to put fertilizer to the, to the trees in a residential environment. So tell me a little bit about how you fertilize a big giant tree. I, I would just, I just thinking off the top of my head, that needs a lot of fertilizer, right? It does. So at, at Davy, we use a product called Arborgreen, and it's a it's a non soluble powder, and we mix it with water, and we we use a, a water injection system where we pump it into the soil layer in almost a grid pattern underneath the tree canopy. That way, it evenly disperses underneath the ground in that kind of root zone area where we really want to get the most benefit out of our roots. How do I know if my tree needs fertilized or do trees just need to be fertilized? So in a residential environment, a lot of the times we strip away a lot of the, a lot of the, the healthy things that trees might want. I mean, we rake up our leaves, we have manicured lawns, there's no decomposition. None of that stuff is really there. In a forested environment, you might not worry about any of that stuff. It's there all the time. In residential environments, it's completely different. So if your tree's in a residential area, it will always benefit from having fertilizer on an annual basis without any problem. Did a certified arborist just tell me I don't have to rake up my leaves? Please say yes. <laughs> I, I cheat on mine, okay? So what I do is I go through and I'll, I'll mulch mine out with the mower at least a couple times during the year. Um, and then there comes a point in time of the year where I won't do that anymore and I'll rake them up and get rid of them. It's your area that will really dictate that. You know, my neighborhood, if I left all the leaves there, uh, they would kick me out of my neighborhood. Sometime. Well, I live in the woods. I'm not raking up my leaves except on the driveway, okay? You blow them off the driveway and into the woods and be done with it at that point. They'll feed my hemlocks, okay? I've got a whole <laughs> line of hemlocks that have hemlock woolly adalgid. Oh. Uh, down in Cincinnati area, is hemlock woolly adalgid become a problem too, like we have but, here in Pittsburgh? It's starting to, Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's regionally for both me and you, it's, it's, it's starting to become a lot more common, unfortunately. You know, I've been battling it. Luckily for most of the time, it's been in the bottom of the trees. And so I'm just with my home sprayer covering them with horticultural oil. But yeah. what happens 
if they start to work their way up the tree, I can't get to it. Uh, what are you guys thinking as far as a treatment? I mean, you'd have to, at that point in time, you would have to look at like an integrated pest management program, you know, something where you do, you know, a multitude of approaches, you increase the, the health and the vigor of the plant, you go through and you still do your dormant oil treatments when you need to, but you might use something, you know, uh, something that's a little more prescribed to tackle on, uh, you know, uh, adelgid issues on hemlocks. So tell me a little bit about your season this year in the Cincinnati area. How was it for you? So the spring, we had a, a pretty normal spring for us, lasted about a month, month and a half here. Um, summer was hot. I'm not going to lie. Summer was, I don't, I don't know about you or the rest of the country, but summer here was, was hot. We had some all right rainfall for parts of it, but you know, for the most part, August was a dry, dry month for us. So what does that mean as an arborist when you have a, a, a kind of a drought-like summer? So usually that means for me, and it means for a lot of us that, you know, we, we look at, um, so like we talked about earlier, we really try to perpetuate a lot of repetitive on-site visits. I know I do it, you know, out of this office with a lot of our clients, but I try to get back out on properties on a regular basis and see how some of the stress trees have dealt with uh, the summer heat. A lot of the times your small ornamental trees might get a little burn up for the leaves. Um, and that ultimately can affect them the next growing season. So it's always good, you know, as we've already talked about, to really uh, promote the use of fertilization, regular irrigation on trees, if at all possible. It'll, it'll definitely make their job easier in the long run. So that's where I wanted to go, irrigation. You know, yeah. again, our topic is zombie trees. And there could be young trees out there that have have stressed over this dry period. We have the same sort of thing up here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the right way to water a tree. And then how long do we water that tree into the season if, if rain is scarce? So if I'm working with, let's say I'm working with a brand new tree, something that let's say, let's say, Doug, you went out there last year, last fall, and you said, I'm going to put a, a new maple tree in my front yard. Um, typically what I tell people to do is I, I, I tell them to work on irrigating that tree two to three times a week, uh, mimic rainfall as much as possible. Trees like, you know, relatively speaking, about an inch worth of rainfall a week, if they can get away with it, stress trees might like a couple inches worth of rainfall, um, during the week to maintain that good soil moisture that's there. And that's really what you want to want. You really, you really want to maintain a certain amount of soil moisture, uh, in order for that those tree roots to grow, ease their way through soil, and pull the nutrients out of the soil. And so I usually, you know, here I tell people to start irrigating sometime in May and sometime in September, October when the temperatures go down. A lot of people ask me, though, they say, Brian, what's a good way to gauge the soil moisture? Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of different tests. I always found the easiest one uh, for people that are really sp specific into it was really just to go out and get yourself a moisture meter or something like that. Okay. Uh, buy them. They're not overly pricey on Amazon. Stick them in the ground. Wait 30 minutes. They'll tell you if the soil composition is good for you or not. And that's really that's really the most accurate way to do it. But you can get down and just feel the soil. Feel, feel how saturated it is. If you clump it up into a nice mud ball and no water squeezes out, it's about perfect at that point, right? You know, it's, it's funny because we've had this dry summer. And we got some rain, but I went in there to do some uh, bulb planting, actually. And I could see right off the bat that rain didn't do what I thought it did. You know, so that's great advice to get down in the soil and, and 
use use these 10 indicators that we have these fingers to figure out if there's water in there now I, brian i'm going to put you on the spot yeah give me a couple trees that aren't used uh as much as you think they should be in the landscape now i always preface this with i know that the site is everything right tree right place i see i've learned i've learned you're good you're good with me do you have a couple trees in your head that you're thinking hey first off these are not going to end up to be zombie trees and uh what what's on your list you know from being in the industry um for 20 years at this point in time I always look for trees, especially in our end of the work. I always look for trees that are that are good growing and have a low maintenance kind of issue to them. Because let's face it, if you're out there climbing trees all day or installing trees all day, the last thing you want to do is come home and have to work on a tree. That being said, um, I, I I've grown. A, you know, every year I have different trees I like, but for the most part, I've had a pretty solid staple of, of uh, Zelkova is one that I really am fond of. Uh, they grow. They, you know, they grow at a pretty decent rate, have a vase-like shape to them. Um, they're a good residential tree. They're medium size, so they don't get overly tall. Um, and they maintain a good foliage. They, they look nice and full. That's one I, I haven't heard an arborist talk about before. And that that tree just gets on your list because of all these years of, of planting, planting, planting. And here's one that doesn't need a lot, but looks good, right? It looks absolutely gorgeous. They have they maintain a nice full canopy at a relatively low part in the yard, so you don't have to worry about some gigantic you know hickory tree or gigantic elm tree taking over the whole property. This one maintains a nice low foliage. It grows at a really nice rate. Good in residential environments. It's it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't stress out as much due to the heat or the pollution or the salt content as much. They do really good. I like them. Anything else you can think of that you'd like to recommend? Um, you know, I, there's, there's some staples out there that, you know, that people will always tell you are really nice. Uh, you know, uh, we get a lot of people that plant maples that are, that are pretty hardy around here. Um, I would love to say that we have more hemlocks here for you, but we don't, the soil content just isn't as good for hemlocks. Um, but overall, you know, um, any tree is better than none. Sour. Oh, one I really liked over the years is a sour gum, sour gum or a, a Tupelo tree uh, is a, is a really called or also a really good uh, looking tree. So that's the one that has really good fall color, right? Is that what I, am I thinking of the same one? Uh, yeah, they get a, they get a dark red, almost a, almost an orange color to them. They have a very small little, small little berry as a fruit that you can just barely notice. Um, and they, they grow upright uh, and they're, they're a really solid tree. If you're looking for a, a long-term kind of shady type tree. Let's finish it off by just telling people some of the best ways to just to avoid this so-called zombie tree that we might have to deal with. You know, we've talked about, of course, having an arborist visit, you know, so important. Uh, and and it's, it's something that I've learned, again, over the, the, the year of, of hosting this, have somebody come over. Now, at my own uh, landscape, four acres of oak trees. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm keeping uh, the Davy Tree Expert Company in business. <laughs> <laughs> so with with any of that stuff, you know, it's it's an ounce of prevention, right? It goes a long way. Um, you know, your regular inspections are good and they'll, they'll help identify the problems. But you, you got to take the next step. You know, when the arborist sits there and takes you out there and says, Doug, 
you know, what your, what your plants need or fertilization. You need to do some regular pruning maintenance on these. Let's thin out the canopies a little bit. Let's get rid of some of these dead limbs so they don't cause cavities later on. Take that step and do that. If you don't want the zombie trees, eliminating those, you know, getting those trees pruned and doing just a little bit of preventative maintenance on them goes a long way for their longevity. And I think you and I both know in order to get big oak trees like you have all over your property, you got to do a little bit in order to make them last that long. Great advice, Brian. Thanks again for your time. And it's Halloween, but we're not going to celebrate zombie trees, that's for sure. We're definitely not going to celebrate zombie trees. Thanks for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. Thanks again. I don't know about you, but when I think of zombie trees, that scene of those scary apple trees in The Wizard of Oz comes to mind. Now tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. We're having fun and we're learning too. For next week's show, we'll go over a comprehensive winter checklist for your trees to get ready for the change in the seasons. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.